Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. I'm fantastic. So welcome to Mind Body Business. Today, Lisa and I are in separate cities. I'm in Charlotte. She's in Hilton Head. So we have a split screen, but welcome to the virtual world. People are pretty familiar with this sort of process. So today's guest, we had to actually, um, we were originally going to meet with her a few weeks back, but we had to reschedule. So I'm excited to have her back on today because I've had a couple of conversations with her. Um, she is a biblical leadership expert and the founder and CEO of Girl Power Alliance. And I really want to dive into that. She's a former um, corporate executive turned entrepreneur executive and running some pretty fantastic and magnanimous, I just want to drop that word in there, businesses for women across the country and across the globe. And I wanted to bring her on and have a conversation with her, or talk a little bit about how she went from the corporate world into the private space, sort of the challenges that she's encountering. And then we wanted to have a brief conversation. Well, I say brief, that's usually the rabbit hole that takes up the most of the conversation, but a conversation with her around the current state of affairs on the planet and the impact it's having on small businesses, on entrepreneurs, and what some of the things that she's doing to adapt to that those changes and and some of those takeaways that we as small business owners can take into our own daily lives and our own daily businesses. So I want to bring in Michelle Schaefer and welcome her to the show. Hey, Michelle, welcome. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. So Michelle, you and I spoke, I think roughly about maybe two and a half, three months ago. We talked a little bit about some of the things that you were doing and your experience in the corporate world. We talked a little bit about the podcast. And Lisa and I, after kind of looking at your website and going and listening to some of your podcasts, we thought you'd be a fantastic guest to bring on. Um, in this day and age that we're living in right now, there's a lot of things that are changing for a lot of different people. And it's it's almost kind of a sink or swim environment. And, and there are going to be a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs who will not make it out of this maelstrom, if you will. Yep. So we thought, given the fact that you have a vast amount of experience in the corporate world, it'd be a, an entertaining and educational conversation to have with you on some of the things that you're doing now as an entrepreneur to adapt to some of these changes and survive in, in this new environment that is really this new normal. I keep hearing people say, I can't wait till it just gets back to normal. And I think Lisa and I both agree on this. There is no such thing as back to normal. There's whatever the new normal might look like. And, and it's, it's not anything like what it was before. So welcome to the show. As with all of our shows, there are no rules. We just kind of talk, um, no filter. Say what's on your mind. And I'll, I'll let you to make that discretionary decision on, on what you feel is appropriate or inappropriate. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a West Coast thing going on today, too. So that's kind of exciting. What? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm in. I am uh, just outside of San Diego in a town called Temecula. I could hear you guys, but you couldn't hear me. So you, I think I told you this before. I'm actually from San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. And, so um, do you know Temecula then? 
I know it well enough to know that that's where we would go to get away when it was crazy hot and in middle of the days. And then there's a lot of casinos up there, which I'm not a casino person, but they were wineries always, and wineries. Yeah. That's the part that I did visit regularly. So excited yeah, we have a, we have quite a lot of those. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Um, uh, just for information, my, most of my career has been entrepreneurial. I had a brief stint in the corporate world. Um, I owned a company and I worked corporately for a company and found out very quickly it did not match with who I was. Very Much, much too restrictive, uh, much, much too cumbersome. And uh, it, it literally was like prison for me. So the bulk of my career has been in the entrepreneurial space. So tell me a little bit about how you got started with Girl Power Alliance. Was there a predecessor to that? Was Girl Power Alliance the beginning and where it is now? Or did you have several iterations that, that you've taken to get to where you are now? I think I have had several iterations, but I didn't know that they were. So my background for the last 15 years has been in the direct selling space. Um, my husband and I have both, uh, Bob, my husband Bobby has been doing network marketing in that space for 30 years. And I have been for about 16. And uh, I had always been taught in the world of business that you never talk about politics or religion. And my faith is such a huge, huge part of me. It's been a, the, the, the reason that I have had any uh, personal development. It's all been spiritual development for me. And, you know, it has been a major strategy that I've used in business the whole time, you know, as I was growing in the Lord, as I was growing in my leadership and my walk with the Lord, um, that would evolve into my business, but I never talked about it. And so it was about 20, it was 2017. And I really felt God calling me like, okay, if you could say whatever you wanted, you weren't worried about offending anybody, what would it sound like? So in 2017, I guess the first layer of what is now Girl Power Alliance was a podcast that I launched called The Sold Out Entrepreneur. And in that podcast, I spoke from my heart without worrying about pissing anybody off and talked about my faith in bit and how it affected me in business, my health, uh, all my relationships. And so that was the first round. And I, I think what happened for me and you guys, I have a feeling it's the similar journey for everybody that's like us that just is fully raw and authentic. Once you open that door, you can never go back again. And so once I opened the door to being fully authentic, I get chills every time I say it. It was the um, fully authentically me and speaking about my faith as it impacted um, and uh, like connected with every other part of my life. I could never not do that. And so that podcast uh, and that boldness grew in me. And then last year at the end of the summer, I felt God saying something else. He's like, okay, I'm calling you to something else. I didn't know what it was. Um, and so I spent a couple months just praying and kind of quieting down my world so that I could really hear what he was asking me to do. And at the beginning of 20, at the end of 2019, before we hit 2020, he, God told me two very specific things. Number one, he told me there was going to be a massive shift in the church. Little did I know <laughs> what 2020 was going to bring. Um, so that was the first part of it. And the second part of it was that there was going to be a, a global revival, the likes of which we had never seen, and that women were going to be the catalyst for that revival. And so those two things um, combined with uh, what he had been teaching me for so many years really were the, the catalyst and the reason for the birth of Girl Power Alliance. 
all of which I started before all of the stuff that had to do with COVID-19 and the pandemic. And to be totally honest, if I, if I hadn't had already started it, I probably would not have because I would have been too worried about finances and economics and all the money that I had already invested in this platform. Can, can I start building the ark before the rain is what you're saying? I absolutely did. And and with zero knowledge of rain coming, like I'm like, oh, we're just going to be happy and everything's going to be great. And I'm just going to start this thing and had already made, I had already taken too many steps to stop and kind of just felt like, okay, God, you know, you, you know, what's coming next month. And I don't know if you guys were like me, but I was like, there's no way this is going to continue into the summer. <laughs> like by the summer, this will be gone. It'll be a, you know, a thing that we talk about having no way of knowing like the, the global implications and the fact that that was the beginning of what I believe now is, is actually like a new world upon us. So I, I didn't have, and maybe I did or I didn't, I, I want to talk about this God speaking to you piece in a minute, but in back in February and March, Lisa and I, um, we did actually a podcast on this with a, a gentleman from that was in Italy. And if you recall, Italy was kind of like the epicenter yeah. of the chaos. And then they picked a new country and then a new country got put on the spotlight. And it's like every month was flavor of the month. Yeah. So we actually commented on in, in that podcast that, um, this is just the beginning. So I don't know that we were prophets about it, but for me and Lisa and our, and our, and what we were observing, nothing made any sense. There was no rhyme or reason or logic, right. to any of the stuff that was coming down the pipeline. So I've never bought into this. Um, I've always thought there was a much larger propaganda based initiative at play. And so it's refreshing to hear other people say that. Um, and I want to talk about that during this call a little bit, but I do want to go back to what you just said about God speaking to you, because that means different things for different people, right? So do you mind if I just intimately ask you, what exactly does that mean to you when you said God guided me, spoke to me, that this was the year of my burgeoning, this was the year of, of the women, this was the year of opportunity, et cetera. What exactly does that mean to you? Is there a voice? Is it during a meditation? Is there like do you, do you, I'm not being facetious. Like, I know. do you physically feel something overcome you? What exactly does that mean? So, um, it's, I've had many different manifestations of the way that it, the way that I hear God. Um, I have only one time in my life heard, like felt that I heard an audible voice and it was in a time of, um, just complete despair and kind of like falling apart to a level that I had never fallen apart before. And I heard an audible voice, almost like a slap in the face is how it, how I responded to it. Like I was weeping uncontrollably, heard the voice of God and stopped instantaneously. Cause I was like, <gasps> um, but so that's the only time I've heard an audible voice. Um, but the other, in any other time is kind of an impression. Like I think that, outside of believers, people call it intuition. They call it a sixth sense, but really because of, because of the way that I believe, I know that that is the Holy spirit. And I also believe that it is a skill that you can develop and that it is also a skill that you can like lose. Like you, you hear the phrase, use it or lose it. I believe that's completely true with all things and all gifts that God gives you. And hearing the voice of God is, is especially one of them. I have worked for years on honing in on being able to identify and and responding and listening to that voice. And so I do a number of things. Um, it'll be an impression, a thought, but many times it is a thought out of the blue. Like I'll be on a thought pattern or in a direction, then something will come to me and it's something, here's what I like to tell people for me personally, 
when I hear the voice of God, it's, it is often not this comforting, sweet thing. It is something that is uncomfortable. It is something out of my comfort zone. It is something that I normally wouldn't do that God is directing me into to take steps or, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever had this, like God laying on your heart that you needed to either um, make amends or apologize to somebody who didn't want to do it, but it kept coming to you over and over. And you knew that God was like saying, listen, you're going to do this thing. And so it's been years and years of me working to develop the skill and of being able to hear and respond to God. So it began as with, with this that we're talking about girl power lines. Um, it began years before in this idea that I, that God wanted me to be bold in my faith and speak about my faith in not just in the context of church or, or fellowship, but in the way that he works in all areas of my life. And, um, this feeling like, um, last summer of, he actually told me that I had made my career. He, he, he showed me that I had made who I was in my career an idol and that I believed that it was like, I had made it this thing who I was and the position I had earned within the profession of network marketing became what I saw as all of me. And God was showing me like, that's not all that who you are. And not that he stripped it away, but he wanted me to emotionally strip it away and kind of step into other pieces of me so that that part of my life and my career was just one part of who I am and to use other parts of me and to kind of, um, move into those spaces to allow God to stretch me in ways that he never had. I don't know if that even made sense. It, it made sense, but I do have a question and this is not a pedantic question. And by the way, nothing I'm saying today, it might come across as sarcasm. It's actually not, I, I'm, I'm genuinely interested. I don't believe the same as you. And I don't think that that's necessarily a problem. I have completely different beliefs, but at the core of what I believe in, we, I think we have an agreement on, on most of the modalities does he become she with the burdening of this new awakening? Because you reference God as a he in every every reference you just said. Do you think, A, that he is a he, or is that just a figure of speech? Um, I guess I reference God as a he because of who Jesus Christ is for me in my life. And so, you know... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all one. Um, I don't know that the and in the Bible it says that God made, you know, He made man in His image. And so I guess those are the reasons that I refer to God as a he, but I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in every one of us. And, and so that makes you know you part of that relationship. So, but I don't um like yeah, I believe more that it is male than female. I wonder if the language matters for all of our lives, at least all of the Western civilization lives, we've been taught that God was a he. And most of the problems that we have encountered over the Western world over the last several thousand years have been male-centered problems. I wonder if the language was changed from a he to a she, if it wouldn't take the softer side of things as we approach into this new era that we're, we are actually going into. Any thoughts sure. on that? I, I never actually had thought of that before. Um, probably for sure. But I, I think in general with any, I mean, you guys talk to a lot of people, you work with a lot of people. What I have found in general with human beings, male or female, is that uh, dependent upon your 
grounding. And I think a lot of that has to do with what your, where your faith comes from or where you're at in your faith, that when people are given um, power and or uh, prominence, that for, for many, if not most people, that takes a hold and it changes everything with men and with women. So you, when people get a little bit of power and a little bit of ego, it just becomes larger than life. And, um, I've seen that with men, I've seen it with women and just, so, you know, because men typically have had more powerful places in society throughout history, I think that's why the problems are male centric. But if women had been given a place of power from as long as men had, I think you would have seen the same problems, you know, but they would have been female centric because I believe that power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts <laughs> in general. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. It's an interesting thing to think about uh, as we move into this, because I, I believe like you, whether you're religious or not, I believe we're moving into a new awakening of some sort. And I was thinking about your comment earlier in, in this, when you first began, um, that God spoke to you that the things that are coming and forthcoming are completely different than you had anticipated. So, from a pragmatic perspective, non-spiritually speaking, as a business owner and a CEO of your business and your life, what were some of those three things? Let's not go too deep on this. What were three things that you had expectations around going into 2020 that you were forced to pragmatically rethink and retool to bring you to where you are today to still keep afloat, to still keep progressing as you move into your new business cycles? Yeah. Well, I think like, like, probably many people, um, I was wholly expecting to be out in the world and connecting with people face to face at events. Like, um, a lot of businesses really rely on some, I mean, there's whole professions that are gone right now because there is no events. And so that was one thing. Um, luckily I had been very familiar with working online and working from home because of all my years in the, in the network marketing, the direct selling space. So it wasn't a super hard pivot for me because we have been doing it. Um, now with girl power Alliance, I had, you know, planned events through the rest of the year to go out and kind of get the word out and meet more people and share this, um, share this new business. So, uh, you know, that was the first pivot there. It had to be solely online, which is, uh, and everybody went online. So it went from a space that I knew very, very well being online and being a great kind of, I don't know, just another tool to the only tool. And so that's a whole different world. I think that people that advertise on Facebook, people, I mean, it's just a, it's such a, it is over, over, it was crowded before. And now it's like, I mean, it's just an overcrowded, it's a really hard, it's been a very hard time to get people's attention. Um, you know, people are are polarized by politics. They're polarized. I mean, there's been so many polarizing things, Black Lives Matter, um, COVID-19, um, you know, an election year. I, I, I've never seen so many polarizing things. I mean, we had murder hornets. What was some of the other things we had? cannibal rats. Um, what were some of the other things that have happened? This It's just like in a normal year, you have like a, you know, 5.0 earthquake in California. Everybody's talking about it. People are like, Oh, just another, I mean, it's just so many things that have overwhelmed the human spirit that it's been difficult to get people's attention and to take their focus off of all of the things that I believe the media is shoving down your throat through 
every source, whether it doesn't matter which news channel you turn to, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which social media you are utilizing, it's being shoved down your throat. So instead of leading, which is one of the things that I promote all the time, it's something that I'm very passionate about is, is developing new leaders. Instead of leading, people are being led. And, and the more you listen to something over and over and over, it becomes actually the way you think. Instead of just listening to somebody's opinion, as you are just inundated with these the, the brainwashing, I believe, of a, of the world through all of these media outlets, it it becomes it becomes your opinion because it's all you're able to hear and see. And case in point, uh, I was talking to my husband and I were talking to a neighbor, and they were conservatives, you know, on the on the side of a, of Republicans. They were talking about their daughter was playing online video games. And after she was done, she the daughter came to the mom and said, I really love AOC, you know, Ocasio-Cortez. And the mom's like, what do you mean? She goes, she goes online and plays games with us. The daughter is 11 years old, online playing games. Ocasio-Cortez is online playing games with 11-year-olds, trying from a very young age, in my opinion, to indoctrinate that these people are your friends. And I don't believe that to be true. Okay, so going back to the, and I, I, I want to talk about that in a second. Um, the first piece you said was your networking and connecting and how that had to adapt. So what are some of the things that you're doing as a business owner to stay connected with your tribe, to attract new potential people into your tribe and the things that you're doing? What are some of the ways you've virtually adapted to connect with people and stay in the, the forefront of your audience? Uh, unfortunately, it means I have to be on social media a lot more than I wanted to be on. Um, you know, reaching out to people, just the the semantics and specifics of actually how to utilize social media. Um, it it constantly is changing, um, but just being being present on social media all the time, which is um, it's a difficult space to be in because there's so much negativity and propaganda everywhere. So, uh, you know. I connect with groups, I which I never had before. I posting all the time in groups. I've been kicked out of groups. <laughs> you know, um, when it comes to let's say the you know other platforms, I put myself on them and am more active in these other platforms than maybe I would have been before. It just has become something that I could spend a little bit of time on each day to now something that I actually had to hire somebody so that we could stay. Um, engaged on a really regular basis. And, and I'll be honest, I actually, social media is exhausting to me because I think that all it is is marketing for one thing or another, and that's exhausting and inauthentic to me. So I, um, on a personal level, I for, have to force myself to do all of the things that you know you need to do um, online because it's our only outlet at this point to reach and connect with people. And so um, I've just, and, and I, and by the way, I could do 10 times more. I just, I, I emotionally can't, it's just, an, it's a, it's a tiring thing. I, I desperately miss being in a room with people and feeling the connection and the energy of actual human beings and hugging and all of the things that happen with, you know, the essential connection of human beings and, and social media is a, um, it's the only resource that we have, but it's not even a close second to me. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. I'm just really um, present there more than I would like to be. <laughs> so you, you, sorry, Lisa, go ahead. I, I, 
Um, I just have a, a few things that you keep triggering off of me. So you, you had this like dark secret that you didn't want to share with anyone. And then you, you opened up Pandora's box and haven't been able to go back, which, you know, kudos to you. And I think we all have that dark secret, something that we just, you know, on social media, we only want to be portrayed as a certain figure or, you know, my life is perfect, highlights real and all of that stuff. So after doing this, what did you find that your, your tribe or your followers, who, who are the people that have kind of flocked to you since, since doing that and since shifting? Yeah. Well, I was kind of had emotionally and mentally prepared that I was going to get some backlash and haters and stuff like that. But what I was really pleasantly surprised at what it did is it actually attracted uh, more people that shared my same faith to me. And, um, it, it gave me an, an air of credibility in that space that I wasn't really looking for credibility. I, I wasn't, I didn't do it for marketing. Like even when I started the first podcast, Sold Out Entrepreneur, I didn't do it for marketing. And people say, oh, you're building a brand. I wasn't trying to build a brand. I was literally just trying to authentically share my voice and my opinions. I felt like I was called to do that. I feel like that's one of the things I was put on the earth to do. And so um, I haven't received a lot of backlash. Of course, there's always some. You never you you always get haters in anything that you do, no, literally no matter what it is. And so, you know, some people think I maybe think I'm fake or using my faith to try to, I don't know, market or something. But but the truth of the matter is it's the exact opposite. Um, it's I, I'm not I actually hate marketing. I know that's what you guys do is marketing, but it, there's so much of it is, is inauthentic and contrived and it literally goes against everything that I actually am. So I try to, as, as much as I can use marketing as a tool to be as authentic as I can in all ways. And, um, I have, attracted more people that are like me and or more people that are seeking and searching for something that goes beyond just like we live and we die and there's no purpose. So I have attracted people that already were in that space or or maybe were and wanted to come back and or people that are maybe just seeking for something um, to bring them more peace in life. What does that mean exactly showing up marketing more authentically? Can you give us some concrete examples? If you were in charge of my marketing or Lisa's marketing and you felt like we were being inauthentic in our approach, what were some of the things that you would ask us to do to show up to be more genuine with our audience? And I'm asking that because those are the Sorry, Lise. Either of us, even though this is what we do, we wouldn't be on social media if we didn't have to be either. You're not alone there. It's a lot. It is a lot. And and you're just bombarded every day. And I think that in general, the whole thing about social media, and especially with the millennial generation, is they're they're so visually turned on. Everything needs to look a certain way and be filtered a certain way and be beautiful and all these things. And I'm I mean, I love beautiful. I my background was the beauty industry for many, many, you know, over a decade. So I love beautiful things. I'm a person like everybody else. But so often in social media, in order to, you know, get, get the right, um, engagement, you have to, um, filter everything literally and figuratively so that you're saying the right thing. You're using the buzzwords, you know, it looks a certain way. The lighting is right. God forbid you actually take a picture that, 
you know, isn't perfectly posed and, you know, the lighting isn't right. And, oh, you mean you don't have a theme on your Instagram? Oh my God, you have to have a theme. I mean, how can you even, you know? And so all of these things that really have nothing to do with regular life and connecting and the message that you want to share. Marketing is all about making the message first appealing before you they can even hear the message. And so to me, that's so inauthentic because it it puts all these layers of stuff first before you can ever even get your thing out, whether it's a product or a message or whatever. It has to go through all these layers of, you know, make sure it's this before you can even get to the, the heart of it. So how are you changing that? What are you doing that's alternative to that? I'm, I, I'm not necessarily, except for the fact that I do minimal, I think like, um, I, I, I know all the rules for social media and stuff and I follow them enough that I'm not like irrelevant, which I probably am in the world. I mean, I'm probably very irrelevant, only have enough relevance, you know, just for myself. But, um, I try to be as honest with the words that I say, with the photos that I take. I mean, I love, I have a ring light on me right now. Um, so I'm all about lighting, but I don't filter. I don't use like all the apps to blur out all the lines and whiten my teeth and all that. So I try to be as real as possible. And matter of fact, I was with somebody last week and um, I, I filmed for a television show, um, uh, for, uh, like a major production on HBO. And so they were taking photos and they were filtering. And I said, no, no, don't, don't filter my photo. And they were like, why? I said, because then people are going to meet me in person and be like, wow, that was an old photo or like you've been through hell since then or something. I said, I want to be as authentic as possible. So I guess, um, I like if, if the world is at a 10 when it comes to making sure that everything looks a certain way, I'm like at a four or five, I guess, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I actually met somebody, this was probably about six months ago, who I was doing a partnership collaboration with that I met through Instagram. And that's funny because when I met her, I was like, you look absolutely nothing like what you look like on Instagram. My biggest fear. It's my big, like people, I, I would rather p people say, you know, something like, wow, you look so much better in person, you know, then be like, oh, was that an old photo of you? Because really, <laughs> you know, I got all the lines and the wrinkles. I mean, I'm 47 and, you know, so it's like, I'm afraid of that. <laughs> Do you think that the enormous amount of distractions that have been thrown at us this year, and you referenced a bunch of them a few minutes ago, do you think that they're, that those are real distractions or those are real events? And if they're just, if they're perpetrated distractions, what's the purpose behind them? That's a big box to open up. I'm totally into conspiracies. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that there are um, insidious uh, intentions with many, if not everything that we have seen on social media and in the media and in the world this year. Um, to what end? I actually don't know. I guess power, um, maybe world dominance, <laughs> trying not to sound like a cartoon, you know? But I think that, I think that there are... Um, like very evil intentions. And um, it's funny because I was telling my husband, I, I tell people this, I believe nothing and everything all at the same time. Like literally I believe everything I hear and I believe nothing because I don't know who do, it, it, never before in history has it been 
a time where women and even men are marching in the streets saying, my body, my choice. And at the exact same time, you are shamed if you don't wear a mask and say, yes, I'm going to get a vaccination for the COVID vaccine. Never in time in history before are people walking in the streets and looting and rioting, saying Black Lives Matter, but don't give a shit about the fact that the highest demographic of abortion is in the Black community. So Black Lives only matter in certain 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 circumstances, not when it comes to the 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 fact that that population is not even able to grow because they're they're aborting their babies in higher numbers than any other demographic in the United States. Um, it's just the the insanity of the hypocrisy that is happening right now is very, very confusing to people. And I'm a reader and I'm a digger and I don't think most people are. So it is a confusing time for people. Um, I don't believe something just because it's on the news or because it's written. I research and I don't think most people do that. And um, I don't know to what end. Uh, I, I certainly thought it would be over by now, most of it. And it it doesn't feel like it's even close to being over if it's ever going to be over. I think things in general have been uncovered. And now you have large groups of people who are now saying, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? And yet we're doing this. Why are politicians telling us not to go visit our families on the holidays, yet all of them are? Why are politicians telling us we can't eat at restaurants and, and participate in helping small businesses, which, by the way, is 50% of the businesses in the United States. However, they are going out to eat and eating in restaurants. Um, how come we can go into Costco where there are hundreds of people, which I go to every week, but yet I can't go into a store when there's maybe six people on a busy day? There's more hypocrisy and things that don't make sense. And I think a lot of people are going, hmm, why? Why do I have to do that and not that? And I also believe in liberty. I believe that the founding documents of the United States were God-breathed. I believe that they stand for liberty, um, which means religious liberty, medical liberty, um, just overall liberty in life where we have the, if I wanted to go out and ride a motorcycle and, you know, weave through traffic and put my life at risk, I have the right to do that because I am an individual with my own mind. If I want to go, I, I have spent the last decade, me and my husband, our business is health and nutrition. We work hard to stay healthy. We eat a certain way. We move our bodies. We don't do things that you know average people do. To we we stay healthier than most people. Why then am I being penalized because the bulk of the United States is overweight, doesn't give a crap about their health and nutrition, and they're contracting diseases? If, if there's so much hypocrisy and insanity, I don't even know where to go with it. So dive in, Lisa, because I've I have a couple of things, but I'll wait for you oh, first. But you do, because we've had those conversations as well. Um, and that yeah, some people are starting to wake up. Can I can I sidetrack that for a second though? You you spoke in the beginning about there being a global revival and women being a catalyst in it. You're obviously speaking out right now, so you're one of the cataclysmic women but how do you how do you see that how do you see women stepping into this this role right now and what do you see them doing um well in specific when i talk about a global revival i mean um 
I mean, an awakening to the fact that there is a God. Um, and just in general, I mean, even if you weren't religious, if you look at statistics, people that that have some sort of faith are healthier, they're happier, they live more at peace, they, they um, you know, their immune system is better. So I, I think in general, just when you have, when their society has kind of a foundation of faith, the society in general, and I'm very generalizing because we could go down a whole conversation about all the damage that religion has done. Okay. So I'm not religious when people say, Oh, you're so real. I'm not religious. I don't believe in the, the rules and laws that men have created around religion. I, I do believe in God and Jesus Christ as having been the son of God living and died. And I follow that path. And so, um, with this revival, I believe that women have been, uh pushed down for decades, for, you know, centuries, for, for a reason. I believe this is a, you know, an evil agenda to keep women quiet and keep them down. And I believe now is the time for women specifically. Women are rising up in their authentic talents and skills, whatever they are, and standing in a place and saying, listen, you know, we can collectively as women, we can align ourselves, we can bond together, and we can make a, a really big impact on their homes, their towns, their place of business, and, and the world at large. And so I believe that women are perfectly positioned right now uh, to stand and be bold and, uh, I don't want to say fearless, but courageous in their desire to both, you know, impact lives and build businesses and uh, empowering other women to do the same. And I appreciate you saying that I'm one of those women. I believe my job is to help amplify the voices of as many other women as I possibly can so that they feel empowered, they feel equipped, um, and they feel you know encouraged to go out and do that very thing. Where does man fit in this new paradigm to you? Oh, I'm I'm not a feminist. I think men are amazing and have a, a role to play as well. Yeah, I wasn't implying. I was just curious where you see that. Um, I I was with somebody uh, last week, and they used the phrase toxic masculinity. I don't think there's anything toxic about masculinity. I think men and women have roles to play. I don't necessarily think there's only one role for a man and only one role for a woman. I think that when we, uh, I think that they, that those roles complement each other in a, in the right environment. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are specific. I mean, I'm not like, trying to be a man out there. There are things I want my husband to do, and he's better suited to do them. And there are things that he wants me to do, and I'm better suited to do them. I think that men and women work in, uh, you know, they, they complement each other in a lot of ways. And I think that this is a great time because men are, more men are feeling the, um, they are on board with the empowerment of women and less and less men are now intimidated by women standing up and standing in their own place. I think there was a time where men felt emasculated by women standing up and standing in her own, you know, authority and her own skills and making money. And I think that we are, I think we're getting to a place where men welcome it and feel that women are their partners versus their uh, kind of subservience. And so I think, you know, men are a great partner for women in the world. I read an article the other day about over the last several hundred years and 
really exorbitantly in the last 60 to 70 years that there's been a, a emasculation of men going on and habitually. And some of the ways in doing that have been to, you know, keep men in office spaces, nine to five, sitting in a cubicle and the, the, the roles that they play in pornography and alcohol and all the different things that have added to the emasculation of men. Do you think that that is a, some, a, a tangible real thing? And B, why would that be the, be the case? And that's going to lead into my next question. I totally think it's a real thing. And just look at television. The, the man is like a caricature. He's some dumb, fat guy that never has anything of value to add. He's the brunt, brunt of every joke. Um, you know, it's embarrassing. And it's been, you know, over the last couple of years, we've heard the phrase toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. It's like, masculinity is sexy to me. I love a man. I mean, I'm a really strong personality. So it was going to take a man um, that was strong enough in who he was yet. You know, uh, I mean, the, the thing about relationships between men and women specifically is I believe that they, that in, in a healthy relationship and that, that each one of you empowers the other one to spread their wings in, in both. And so I think for whatever reason, I don't know. Again, I don't know the ultimate agenda. Maybe to, I don't know. I don't know the ultimate agenda. Why do we want to dumb down men and 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 you know put them down in this thing? Um, I don't know why people do it. I don't. I'm not one of those people. And uh, I, I just don't even think I have an answer for that because I know that there's an agenda. I don't know what the agenda is. My soul feels that there's an agenda. Is that the depopulation agenda so that men are just down in this thing and, you know, they're impotent now. And I mean, if you look at the, the millennials are getting married later, men are not starting careers until later in life, if at all. Um, they are very disempowered. They are like uh, very effeminate and like feel guilty for being for, for these feelings that are innately in men. And so I don't know the ultimate agenda, but I do think it's real. Yeah, I have some interesting, um, we can't go into this conversation, we'll be here for three hours, but I have some interesting thoughts around that. Lisa, were you going to say something? No, I thought you had a... a, a I did, thank you. So earlier, about 15 minutes ago, you talked about, or maybe longer, you talked about how some of the messaging that you were receiving from God, and that was kind of guiding you, this beacon, if you will. So one of the things that you said that really struck me, and I love it, it was, resonates with me, and I, I say the same thing to my kids all the time, is that there's no such thing as progress without pain. And, and I think a lot of people think that life is just supposed to be handed to them and then life is easy and I just wake up and I'm a millionaire and, mm -hmm. and you know, we're bombarded on social media with a bunch of bullshit on a regular basis and kids have this fantasy perspective of what it really takes to become a woman or a successful man or whatever it is you want to call. Mm -hmm. do, you think that, do you think that the messaging that we're receiving now is just part of the pain for the bigger picture that's coming. And where I'm going with that is, is like on the surface, this seems like a very toxic environment that we're living in right now. And people are locked down and people can't go anywhere and people can't run their businesses and people can't connect, people can't hug. And then we go to the grocery store and I refuse to wear a muzzle and I get stared at like I'm the pariah from, from hell. And do you think that all of that is necessary evil, if you will, for people to actually wake the fuck up 
and that all of this misery and pain that is happening is a necessary ingredient for what for us to grow and evolve as a species. It's such a it's such a deep question. And I I feel like conflicting thoughts about it. Yes, I believe that for most people, they learn through experience. So I have three children, all three of them are adults. A I have a 30 year old, a 28 year old and an 18 year old. And I could tell them till I'm blue in the face something, but until they experience it themselves, the, the words that I've spoken to them mm -hmm. don't hold the same value. And so I think that that is kind of how human beings learn. We learn through experience. And so you could be telling people for the last 10, 15, 20, 50 years, you know, there is an insidious uh, agenda here with the, with the government. They're trying to do A, B, C, D, but until they experience it themselves, and see that, yeah, your rights are being taken. Um, they do feel that you're an idiot by telling you these things, but then doing something different until they experience it themselves. They don't have the ability to even believe the things that you're saying are true. So yes, I believe that. But then at the same time, I also think, you know, I, I mean, my hope is that, yes, that's the truth, that we are evolving, that people are waking up to take, take a stand and say, listen, you know, we don't want to be governed by a few that just make the decisions and become here in the States, at least, you know, uh, socialist or communist even where you know, this, you said at the beginning something about the $600 stupid check. It's like, what does that do for anyone? It actually makes me laugh when I read it. I'm like, I spent $600 last week at the grocery store just picking up food for my two kids. What is $600 going to do? It, it does nothing. It's and insulting. It's an insulting thing to say. It's an insulting thing to do. I've said for a long time, I think that the, I think politicians should be paid the median income of the area that they represent and no more if they even get paid at all. I mean, they, you're talking about people that, that say and say one thing and, and pound it into people's heads, but they literally live something completely different. It's not fair. You're asking, you know, the elites in Hollywood is, oh, we're all in this together while they live in mansions, have private chefs, have, you know, trainers coming to their house, have people serving them. And then, you know, my son, one of my sons, uh, my son's fiance, he works as a bartender in the restaurant business. He hasn't worked this year. They're about to lose everything. They're, we're not in the same boat. And it's an unfair, just completely insane thing to do to say, here's $600. It's like, I've lost tens of thousands this year. It's just mad. Are you familiar with JP Sears? He does the, he's a comedian. Yes, I am. He did a really funny parody on the elites in Hollywood. I, and, it was awesome. I watched And it. how they were sacrificing their lives, yes. living behind interesting. Being, being pissed that they couldn't go on the golf course. And yeah. calling. Yes, I saw it. It's just a, it, it's an insane, it's insane. Okay. So sorry, Lise, go ahead. So we need to bring this back before we go down a bunch of different rabbit holes and we could probably have six or seven different podcasts. These are all our favorite topics. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you basically got us kicked off social media this, this week for the podcast. So thank you. Um, <laughs> where we are now and where we're going to be in six months from now, how do we as a small business owner, knowing everything that we know, everything that we're doing right now, how can we survive? How do we survive? If you were given the keys to the kingdom, 
what would you tell people to do right now? Open your damn business. Just fight it. I mean, uh, a very good friend of mine owns a salon here in the area that I live in. And she goes, you know, take my license. I'll still work. I mean, you, you if everybody, if all of the small businesses in the United States said, we're going to stay open. If you're afraid of the virus, stay home. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But don't vilify businesses that have invested. Maybe they took out mortgages on their home. Maybe they borrowed money from family, friends, parents to start this business. Don't vilify people for just trying to put food on the table. And if they choose to take the risk themselves, let them. You know, it's super funny because when Obama was the president and we had H1N1, there were millions of cases. And I don't even remember hearing about it on the news. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of remember people talking about, you know, the swine flu and whatever, but nothing stopped. Nothing. And the interesting thing is that Johns Hopkins, John Hopkins does a like a report every year about the amount of deaths in the United States. And they do it from October to October. And this year, uh, the average has been for a number of years, 2.7 million people die in the United States every year for just all the reasons combined. And so from- It's uh, higher than that. 2.7 I believe it's higher than that because that only accounts for actual deaths. It's not cascade deaths, but we can talk about that. It's okay. actually a higher number than that. Well- Whatever number they used for this metric, it was the exact same number from October to October 2019 to 2020. We have not had more deaths because of COVID-19. We've actually had less deaths in a number of different areas because people aren't driving as much and a bunch of other. And then other things have risen, you know, yeah. suicides, drugs, and all these other things. So it's false. It's propaganda. And people are living in this fear and being, and also being bullied into saying how selfish of you that you don't wear a mask. I'm like, it's selfish of you to drink. It's selfish of you to overeat and go out and have fast food. I've been eating healthy for over for two decades. Yeah. How selfish of you not to take care of yourself. I'm the healthy one. Well, um, I, I actually, uh, I, not to cut you off. I did a post on this this morning on Instagram because Lisa and I have been talking about this all weekend long. And, and I, I don't generally think that people are malicious. I don't generally think that people are are maliciously trying to be um, be evil to to the the folks that refuse to comply. I think that generally, as a rule, most humans want to be in obedience because they're afraid of breaking the law, and and I and I think that more and more people are waking up. But I think it's going to take exactly what you just said a few minutes ago. They're going to have to experience the pain first themselves, because no matter what you say, no matter what Lisa tells them, no matter how much data I throw at them, all they can hear is what they know, their context. It's like people have earmuffs on for everything you tell them. So all knowing all of that, what can we do to be to be beacons of light, to be inspirators, to keep our businesses afloat? What are the things that we can do? Because obviously all we can do is just share the message. We can only we can only lead the horse to water. I can't guarantee that they're going to drink it, to borrow that common analogy. What can we do to, to be inspirators and beacons of hope for people right now who have not yet realized and are drinking the other Kool-Aid? I mean, what I, what I try to do is I did a post a couple weeks ago and said, you know, I was talking about the outrage, the outrage about masks and stuff, but I posted all the statistics for all the deaths due to smoking, due to mm -hmm. drunk driving, due to drug Alcohol. overdoses, 
alcohol, they're, they're way higher than the deaths that we've experienced with COVID-19. And by the way, I don't even think believe those numbers are true. As we all know that many deaths are being put in the COVID category, even though they weren't because of COVID, they may have had COVID or maybe they had a false positive. So I don't even believe those numbers in the first place. Um, but I, I think that what we can do is um, I am not trying to be polarizing and I'm not trying to debate when you, you cannot debate somebody into changing their belief system. That is just pointless. You can't go out with a sign and think, and I'm driving down the street and I read a sign from picketers and go, you know what? You're right. Now I believe that that doesn't work. It's pointless in my opinion. I think that we continue. If you own a small business, run your business, take the risk. You're going to lose it anyway, right? Like if you close your business down, you're at risk of losing it. So you might as well go out there. And if you are of the same mind, then support those businesses that are open. Do whatever you can. Buy from small business. Go support small business if, if you are like the three of us and you have those same beliefs. And continue to speak the truth and do it in a, I try to do it in a way that's not, argue, I'm, I'm not trying to, like I said, debate or argue people. And I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't call people names. I don't make people feel bad about their opinion. Um, sometimes if I can tell they're a heated or very, you know, like they're just one of those people, I won't even engage and I'll just, I just stand strong in, in the truth that I, that is true for me. And I continue to walk on. And I feel that your example um, of who you are and how you live is much more powerful than the words that come out of your mouth. Well said, very well said. All right. So you are running a organization called Girl Power Alliance. How can people get involved with that? What is it? Tell me a little bit about that and before we close out and how people can get in touch with you, where they can find you. Sure. Thank you. Um, and by the way, this could be like a seven hour podcast. I, I, love this. I, I don't mean to cut you short, but we can talk about 45 different topics and just go down a sundry of rabbit holes. I know. Don't you love it? Lisa's literally kicking me under the desk right now. You were like all professional and being, we'll keep this short. And then you started talking about you never get another podcaster on a podcast. That thing is sure to go long. Anyway, um, uh, girlpowerlines.com. It's a, it's a community and a resource. Um, we have monthly, we offer, I believe in progress and growth and, and that you need to continue to pursue it. So every month we offer courses that are, uh, have to do with growing business or business skills, um, health and wellness and financial wellness. Um, we have a whole kind of 12 month plan that we're launching in 2021 to make this your best year. So girlpoweralliance.com, that's within the membership. You can, anybody can be part of the community. It's a private, we have a private page on Facebook where we just engage, encourage, empower each other. Um, I also am launching it's called Radiant Leadership. It's a 16-week leadership development course. And I believe now is the time for women to stand up and lead and not be led. And so uh, I'm hoping to develop a whole new crop of women that want to stand up and lead. That's radiantleadership.com, radiantleadershipacademy.com, or you can just find it on girlpoweralliance.com. Say that um, again. It's radiant. Radiantleadershipacademy.com. Radiantleadershipacademy.com. My personal face, uh, Facebook is just me, Michelle Schaefer. On Instagram, I'm Teen Mom to Millionaire. And then we have Girl Power Alliance on Instagram. I'm pretty easy to find. Michelle, thank you. I appreciate your time. It was a good conversation. I did, we could have gone down so many different rabbit holes with that. Crazy. And you were talking about how to get people's attention right now because everyone being overstimulated, you totally got our attention. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the opportunity and just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you.
So that went mostly like we wanted to, but like most of our past, you guys both had really nice lighting on you. So I'm a little bit jealous that I'm not in the studio. <laughs> dark kind of dark. And I didn't even get to shout out my new shirt. Nobody got to see it. This is for sale on the sprout.com website. $300. So, okay, here's my takeaway from that call. Wow. Um, a lot of mic drop moments in there. Yeah. And she's doing a lot of cool things. I, I listened to a few of her podcasts leading up to the to our interview with her today. And I, I think whether you believe like she does or not is not necessarily relevant for what she's trying to accomplish. I think that I personally believe that there is a new wave of consciousness coming on the planet with humans. I, I think that there really is. And I, and I hope it's led by a more female-centric perspective. Um, males have had their turn for the last several hundred years, and we have not done very well with what we've been given. So I'd like to see an alternative, an alternative um, hypothesis play out. Takeaways from your perspective? Um, again, so many mic drop moments. You know, she's such a an example for stepping out of your comfort zone and saying those things that need to be said, mm -hmm. and that. Maybe not everyone is going to believe you, but there's other people that are going to stand up and say, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, but I was afraid to say it. So, you know, just building that strength and that potential in men and women. Yeah. All right. So that was Michelle Schaefer. You can find her. Uh, we had a couple of different websites, girlpoweralliance.com, radiantleadershipacademy.com. Those were put on the screen. Thank you, Stephanie, our producer, for doing that. So this is Mind Body Business. Lisa, always a pleasure. Sorry we're not in the same studio today. I think we're off next week because we are going to be going somewhere. So excited about that. And then when we get back full steam, we have coming up next. What if we don't get back in the country? I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, coming up next on the podcast in two weeks, we have Zofia. And she is, for lack of a better explanation, she's a Swiss army knife of corporate organization and helping people kind of, kind of like we just did with hiring Brit, helping people get their house in order um, and coming in and take an introspective look at people's businesses and, and where they're suffering chaotically, where they have pain, pain points, growing pains, that sort of stuff, and helps them sort of take an outside perspective as a consultant to help them clean up their house. So I'm excited to talk to her. Um, we got in trouble for having to reschedule her. So just be prepared. She's going to probably give you mad. Yeah, and, and if we don't get back in the country, Stephanie, our podcast producer, can totally handle it for us. <laughs> All right. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the time today. And we need to have some sort of a slogan where we close when we get off. We should sing. No, we shouldn't. Christmas carols? No, we shouldn't. Okay. All right. Fine. All right. Thank you. See you next time. Thanks for joining, everyone.